Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very, very special episode of Tap Calf Transmissions. I am one of your lovely hosts, Justin, joined as always by my good friend Corey Loses and another good friend Ilkin from the wonderful YouTube channel Kings and Generals. Welcome, Ilkin. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, thank you, Ek. I'm really good, and uh, thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate it to be on the only Star Wars podcast in existence. I there love it this, is. man. Now the check <laughs> will <it> clear. <laughs> yeah, the $50,000 is in the mail. Uh, <laughs> Ilkin, do you want to give us like a, b a brief breakdown of, well, not us, because I'm a big fan, but do you want to give anyone who's not familiar with your work a uh, brief breakdown of your channel? So, uh, we do historical documentaries uh that's about it it's mostly mm -hmm. uh military history but uh there's some cultural some some economic some religious some political stuff that we're covering but uh, obviously in context of history right uh, so and uh that's about it uh it sounds uh very simple when i say it like that but that's about it well you do do the occasional sci-fi video right like you've done what like four or five in total because i first found your channel through the battle of jakku one that you did uh so we did one on battle of jakku and we did like six episodes on game of thrones uh but right yeah that was about it uh i think i told you guys we we're planning to start a new channel that will mm -hmm. focus on uh this fantasy and sci-fi battles but it's not up yet mm -hmm. so nothing to advertise right so was the Star Wars slash Lord of the or sorry Star Wars slash uh, Game of Thrones was that for like a special occasion or was that just like testing the waters? Uh, more or less uh, testing the waters. Uh, I think our Game of Thrones series was released before uh, the final season, uh, and obviously because the final season was such a disaster, <laughs> we didn't get enough views, so the project kind of died down. Uh, right. Now uh, that we see so many adaptations in the works, we are planning a new channel. Hopefully, it will work out this time around. Mm -hmm. Right now, that makes that makes Star sense. Wars, I'm just a fan. Uh, it's really difficult to explain how I became a Star Wars fan uh, because it started with a strange, now non-canon book called uh, Splinter of Mind's Eye. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that the uh, movies even exist. So I have oh, read it. Oh, really? And then my dad is like, you know that there are movies, uh, right? And that's how my own father gave me hard drugs, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> education, I don't know, feeding, I don't know, love, etc. But my dad started with hard drugs. It's okay, I guess. <laughs> wow, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. What a wacky way to get into Star Wars for the first time. So did you end up going back and watching the movies afterwards? Or were you just good with Splinter of the Mind's Eye? <laughs> yeah, I actually went back and rewatched the pirated versions because I'm from a country <laughs> which didn't have the movies like on DVD or etc. Right. So, uh, yeah. And uh, it's uh, it just was a period in my life when I was reading essentially everything possible. And mm -hmm. I uh, was reading something else from Alan Dean Foster. And then uh, then that's how I became a fan of Star Wars, basically. I read, uh, I guess, most of old canon, and now I'm uh, reading all of the new canon. The only thing that I'm not reading is other comics. Mm -hmm. For some reason, I never got into that. Hard to keep up with them. There's so yeah. many. Yeah. So, Did you read any of the uh, like the more prominent Legends comics at all, or even Dark Empire, or did you just stay out of that entirely? I have read Dark Empire as a 
uh, as a book, I think. Okay. Uh, again, everything was bootlegged back then, and mm -hmm. there was a Russian translation as a book, not as a mm -hmm. comic. Uh, yeah, I've, seen, I've seen that online before. Yeah, I, I have seen the comics afterwards. Uh, uh, now that now I understand why uh, the books seem like they don't have enough context, because obviously no pictures. Mm -hmm. There's like yeah, 10 panels of the, of the comic. That, yeah, mm. one of the book versions that I saw online as well was a... Uh, was because there was a radio version too, right, or an audio version? So it was just that in uh, in book form, which is a little bit better. But like, I know there are still like sound effects and stuff. Like there are explosions and and stuff that provide context uh, in the audio version that you'd be missing. But yeah, that's a really very different and interesting, uh, different from us anyway, an interesting introduction into the universe. Yeah, very cool, very cool. And I um, kind of lost my uh, in, uh, appetite for Star Wars books because before you guys started doing your podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, you guys kind of revived it. I actually started reading uh, New Jedi Order a few days ago, and I'm okay. book ten now. So I have been reading like oh my gosh, a day. <laughs> You're a machine, man. <laughs> I need to stop, and I actually, I actually had to stop and read the Into the Dark, mm -hmm. uh, just so I don't start talking about Yuzhan Vong uh, in this podcast. But yeah, so. Your it, we I think you chose the book, didn't didn't he, Corey, or did yes. you choose it? Okay, so what was it that? So as as I mentioned briefly at the beginning, we're doing Into the Dark, which shows I think the second book released in the High Republic. It's like it was kind of released from what I remember alongside Light of the Jedi, but kind of a uh, a for I think it was kind of advertised as a young adult book. What was it that made you want to do that? I think uh, in one of the last podcasts, I think. Like four or five weeks ago, you guys mentioned that eventually want to do that. And yeah. uh, when I said to Corey that maybe we can start the new Jedi Order, I, uh, he seemed to be really uh, not into that, which I, I get because uh, if you start doing new Jedi Order, you will, you will have to do like 20 books. Yeah. yeah. So it's not a good timing. So I mentioned that I, uh, I kind of enjoyed Into the Dark. Um, there are multiple reasons. I guess one of the reasons is that it's much more streamlined than uh, Light of the Jedi. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Light of the Jedi, especially in the term of in in term of, in terms of characters uh, characterization, is very very uh, all over the place. Mm -hmm. uh, we, obviously, they had to do it. I don't. I, I. I. It's not really a big critique on my end. Uh, I know that they had to in, introduce so many characters. But uh, because of that, Light of Jedi uh, seems very episodic instead of being a uh, coherent, uh, streamlined book like Into the yeah. Dark. Yeah, and I single met... story. Yeah, and I mentioned it to Corey. It's uh, for me, it's very interesting that for the first time we are getting mainline books and young adult books uh, at the same time. Mm -hmm. uh, in the old canon, we had two long series uh, of. Uh, young adult and young reader books. One of them was Obi Wan and Qui Gon series called, uh, I think, Jedi Apprentice. Jedi Apprentice, yeah. Yeah, and actually, it's very good books, uh, especially mm -hmm. if you are in your uh, young teens, I guess, in your early yeah. teens. Very good books. And the second was um, the second was uh, the uh, Young Jedi series, which is not as good, in my opinion. Uh, even your Podcast didn't change change my mind. They are very poorly <laughs> written, in my opinion. But uh, mm -hmm. when these books were set, uh, there was nothing else happening in the universe. Mm -hmm. So 
is the first time we are getting mainline books and young adult books at the same time. Uh, and for me, it's very interesting how they are um, trying to weave this story into one coherent thing. So mm -hmm. that's basically the reasons why I suggested this book. Okay. Have you read uh, Rising Storm as well, or have you not gotten to that yet? Yeah, I, I have read that too, yes. So what's have... Uh, what have been your thoughts, I guess, overall on High Republic then? Uh, well, you already kind of covered with Light of the Jedi, but did Rising Storm change your mind at all on the mainline ones? I think Rise of the... I don't, I don't want to uh, go after the, the authors, to be honest, but I felt like uh, Alan Scott is just a better writer than... Uh... I'm trying to remember his uh, name. Charles Soule, I think, did the first uh, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I haven't, I haven't read anything from them. I know that they both come from the comics background, and they both worked with, for Del Rey, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so they have kind of similar style in terms of their uh, prose, uh, but I felt like Kevin Scott's story is more lean in mm -hmm. a way. Yeah, all this is yeah, a fact. He didn't need to introduce so many people. He didn't need to introduce the premise of the Nile. Etc. Etc. It's uh, it's very it it was very helpful. Uh, I also felt that uh, the ending of the Rising Storm uh, kind of did the same thing for High Republic that it did uh, that the uh, killing of Chewbacca did for a New Jedi Order, mm. like making things very real, making mm -hmm. make stakes high, etc. Uh, what I don't like like about High Republic is the fact that. Uh, uh, in a way, again, I understand why they are doing it. Uh, we always uh, whine about uh, the fact that everybody is in the universe knows each other and everybody goes to the same place, do the same thing. Uh, in the case of High Republic, it's actually very divergent. Uh, this young adult looks into the dark and the next one, I'm trying to remember the name. Out of the shadows. Out of the shadows, yes. Shadows, dark, etc. Et yep. yeah. So I'll uh, make a flowchart for next episode. And, yeah, yeah, well, it's I, like the I, Charlie I, Day I need, thing need, from Always Sunny. I need to be a bit professional and have something in front of me, I guess. They're kind of uh, happening in their own uh, mini-universe, I guess. Uh, the characters are the same. The stories are uh, continuous. Uh, and the same is the case for the mainline books. And uh, I think that uh, we also have comics that are um, basically telling their own story, right? Mm -hmm. They meet Nihil in the Into the Dark, and then Nihil only uh, do stuff uh, in the comics, which is, uh, to be honest, in my opinion, a bit uh, cheapens their threat. Mm -hmm. uh, because the way they were introduced in the Into the Dark, I was expecting them to be actually bigger threats than the Nile. But then they were demoted to be talked about only in the comics. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I understand why they have to do it, but uh, at the same time, for me, uh, it seems that there are too many stories happening at the same time, and maybe they need to find some more, uh, some better way to connect stuff to each other. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I would have liked if the comics kind of dealt with maybe. The, like further back in the past or something because it does start to feel like mm -hmm. um a lot before we get into the book though uh is there any star wars news we want to talk about before uh we we well discuss the book the only thing i can really think about is there was the 
the full trailer for Star Wars Visions. I don't know if you guys have any reaction to that. I thought it looked really good. I'm super excited. The voice cast is also totally stacked. The English voice cast, and from what I hear, the Japanese voice cast is is crazy. So, you guys have any thoughts about that, Corey? Nothing specific. Just really looking forward to it. Now that Bad Batch is done, it's kind of the next thing coming up. So I'm sure we'll have a lot to say about it as it comes out. Mm-hmm. I am I am not a big anime fan. I know that I am the audience basically, but I never was into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, it it really looks really it really looks nice. I uh, the people in my life who watch anime, they are really into that even more than they were into. Bad Batch or Mandalorian, so uh, I guess we'll be watching it. Maybe this will be the thing for you that gets you into it. But I think oh, that's kind of what they talked about, like how they so much to watch. I... Yeah. After yeah. doing the whole NJO in about a week, you're gonna do about two thousand episodes of Naruto in a month, so you'll have something <laughs> to look forward to. I have four uh, screens, and I will be watching everything at the same time. <laughs> this pants. <laughs> okay. Um. All right, so I, th- I think that's pretty much it for the news. Let's get into the book. We had, so... we had a new rumor. I, I wanted to mention it. Uh, okay. Uh, apparently, there's a rumor that uh, f- uh, there will be a Disney Plus show with Finn leading it. Oh, really? I hadn't even heard that, to be honest. I actually I actually think to uh, find a way to send you the link. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can send it on I Discord do... or... Yeah, I, I'm going to send it on Discord, I guess. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it was the rumor was released like 10 hours ago or so something like that mm-hmm. so uh i mean i remember we heard um we heard something kind of similar to that a few months ago um this is obviously much newer because and there was kind of this big turnaround on john boyega he was like oh, i'm done with star wars and then they came to him like a few months ago and he's like yeah i totally do it again and i mean for one, I think John Boyega was a lot happier with Star Wars, his character arc after Episode Nine. He seemed kind of unhappy being somewhat sidelined in Episode Eight. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could, I could see it. I really like um, Finn as a character, so mm-hmm. I would love to watch that. Uh, it was yeah, me too. Really yeah. fun news for me. Again, I know what Disney is trying to do, uh, and. Uh, there is an argument to make regarding the fact that they're trying to uh, marvelize Star Wars. But mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, it's my favorite universe, so uh, I will be watching and I, I'm, uh, I'm really hopeful that it will be good. Yeah, it's hard to say no to more content. And yeah, it, it mentioned at the end of that article you sent me, um, he, he says, whichever way, I'm open to the conversation as long as Kathleen, JJ, maybe someone else in the team, and then he says it's a no-brainer. So. It could definitely happen. I mean, but yeah, that's a interesting something else to uh, something else to keep our eye on. Yeah, especially if they go the direction of having Finn kind of be the center of mm-hmm. some attempt to reestablish the Jedi. Because I don't know if Daisy Ridley's is into doing Star Wars again. Probably if they come to her with the right product, I think she she'd do would, it. Yeah. But seeing yeah. both of them kind of be at the front of that would be cool. Yeah, agreed. Totally. I would prefer that to something like Lando. Uh, I mm-hmm. I'm kind of overlando mm-hmm. especially uh the older version i guess uh yeah i think if they do a lando show i mean i've talked about this before on the podcast my theory is almost definitely that they will have it be old lando providing commentary and intro and outro for the episode so like he's sitting on the falcon and he's talking to somebody he's like oh this reminds me of blah 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 blah, and then it skips back in the past with young lando kind of acting out the adventure i think that yeah, could it- be a fun series but 
Yeah, I don't know if Old Lando itself is one. I don't. It's think how I founded Tendrando, or how I met your mother, but Lando yeah, exactly. style. <laughs> yeah, the first Star Wars sitcom. It's going to happen. Every so, other genre is covered. I was looking at the timeline of the new canon books uh, today, and I noticed that there's not much between nine ABY and twenty eight ABY. Yeah, all I can really think of is like I think years. Bloodline is in that time period. But yeah, the Bloodline is the uh, one at twenty eight ABY, yeah. and the last at nine. Uh, that nine ABY is I think Mandalorian. Mandalorian books, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, maybe there's reserving that uh, for the something on town. Uh, maybe it's for some, yeah. something else. Because that's uh, 20 good years that anything can happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I kind of talked about this in a video the other day where it is interesting that they have left that time period wide open, like very wide open. Um, you, If you throw a big event in there, you have a little bit of retconning to do because like, in Bloodline, they mentioned like how there wasn't much conflict in that era, but I mean that's the smallest of retcons. You can do that, no problem at all. Um, and they will like they've done they've done much more in the way of retcons. They'll they'll happily you know blow up a little bit of world building that they probably did too much of early on in the uh, in the new EU. If it means a cool adventure, or whatever. I actually think that old EU was more cluttered in that period. If it makes sense. Yeah, it totally yeah. was. Uh, because there was like uh, uh, a period of 15 years uh, before uh, the Yuzhan Wong attack, like mm-hmm. non-stop wars, non-stop uh, conflicts, etc. So I think that old U was more cluttered, but new U has more place to uh, have some kind of big event, or maybe multimedia effect, uh, multimedia event, hopefully. No, I, I agree. I, I, I agree. Um, the only limiting thing is like you'd think it it have been mentioned by now if there was, but I mean, again, that's something that you can very easily hand wave away later on. We'll have to um, see how it goes after High Republic comes out because that's kind of like the major publishing side of it right now, and then the shows are all kind of doing stuff in that time period, slightly towards the earlier part of it. But mm-hmm. I wouldn't actually, I wouldn't mind if there were a period that wasn't just filling it with more and more little fractal wars as you zoom in, kind of like Legends ended up in some ways. And then just focus a bit more on like telling the stories after episode nine. Because I think one of the things that keeps a lot of people out who haven't quite made the jump yet or who don't want to make the jump is like, oh, I know what all this leads up to with the sequel trilogy. So it is a bit harder. Like if they had released NJO first and then been putting out like the Black Fleet Crisis and... Young Jedi Knights and everything. I don't know if it would have had quite the same interest either. So, yeah, yeah fair I think uh, they, if they are not planning to do any more movies after uh, Episode Nine, uh, with the same characters of Episode Nine, I mean, mm-hmm. they probably need to put books there because uh, there's there are people who like Ray, uh, Finn, uh, Poe, etc. So uh, there might be interest. I was trying to find uh, the sales numbers for High Republic. And uh, again, uh, pretty good. They are not published, but it seems that they are very good. Uh, yeah. And they are kind of, I think, in line with uh, what we were getting for uh, New Jedi Order. But uh, again, uh, because we don't have hard numbers, it's difficult to say. Yeah. Apparently, comics is, comics are doing really well. Uh, like uh, the first edition sold like uh, 
three to four thousand uh four hundred thousand mm-hmm. uh, i wonder if uh they're seeing enough interest to put some kind of movie or tv show in that period yeah i mean we'll see something with uh the acolyte but i kind of do wonder like because Corey and I have kind of discussed about how it could just be set in the High Republic, like that era, but not really involved with the High Republic. But I wouldn't be surprised if we got a video game or something kind of a little more high profile. I hope yeah. so, anyway. Like the, it, is a good uh, era. it might end up being like the Acolyte is in the High Republic era in the same way that Legacy of the Force and Legacy are the Legacy era. Yeah. Which exactly. is like, yes, but also no. Yeah. No continual story, really. Also, Corey. How about us, well, you accepting my logic that it was Mount Tantus in no, uh, you, Bad Batch. You were right. You had, me, you had me on the edge of convinced by the end of the podcast, and then you were right. I, I, think, I think you agreed. I think you yeah. saw a reason. Yeah, but I, like, I feel like if I were to just say out right now, like I believed in the podcast, that would be taking away your credit for it. And I wouldn't want to be the kind of person that sees other people saying, like, after the fact, oh, that that happened and then just be like responding to them everywhere saying oh well actually i, I had this idea just worried that uh uh has a low degree uh that's why you decided not to that's right yeah video. i'd much rather argue about star wars than you know law and i just want to i just want to say as well that's two for two when i put myself out there that's that's luke and mount tantus but i'm so that means I'm bound to get just one horrific take later. I see, I'm going to see like a short shadow and be like, "That's Yoda," and it's just going to be like a pop. It's, be like, it's, it's be actually like Geode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, Geode. Bible starting. Yeah, I think it's. Get, let's do it. Let's get started with the book. Um, Ilkin, would you like to provide us with a a very basic summary, just for someone for someone who hasn't read the book, kind of the setup and whatever else? Okay, so uh, well, uh, in the early stages of the uh, High Republic era, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are following a Jedi Padawan called Reef Silas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, his uh, master, uh, who was later killed in the Light of the Jedi, uh, Joy O'Malley, uh, she, she's basically saying that, dude, you are a huge nerd. Uh, we need <laughs> to get you out more. Uh, you are not cash money and not epic. And... Uh, <laughs> They, uh, she uh, she was uh, she's appointed to be the leader of the Starlight Beacon, and she decides to take her uh, his uh, her father one with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, that starts the story, and uh, then we see the consternations of Reeves that he doesn't want to go because he likes his books. That's actual literal line. Uh, mm-hmm. He likes to read too much. I don't know, etc., etc. It was and, a very young reader character, or a very um, it was a very like teen book character. He's like he's yeah. not like he's like the not like the other girls character. You I, know, I, will be, like, I will be honest. I hate young Jedi's in general. Uh, yeah. they they feel extremely whiny to me. Uh, yeah, and I kind of get it because I guess all teenagers are more or less the same, and I was like that at at some point hundred years ago. But uh, uh, he is extremely whiny. But anyways, uh. Uh, because his master Joe Amale lives earlier, he has to take uh, a ship on his own up, uh, alongside a couple of uh, other Jedi's. And uh, while they're on the on the way, uh, the um, what do they call it? They went 
disaster? No, no calamity. Yeah, it's a great calamity. I think it's called right. Uh, yeah, great disaster, great, great disaster. whatever. Yeah, great disaster happens, and they are stranded on a uh, space station, mm-hmm. and alongside there's a there are a few uh, trader types, refugee types, etc. But one of them is a uh, Nile girl called yeah, Nan. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And our nerd falls in love with her, but obviously <laughs> she's a she's a Nile, and uh, he doesn't know that at the time. To be fair, well, I think it wouldn't change anything, but yeah, uh, yeah, that's fair. Too many books, uh, yeah. but uh, eventually they discover that uh, there are strange dark force emanations coming from certain statues on the station. And they uh, think the dark force, they think the statues are containing the dark force, that it's like some sort of like seal for something yeah. within the statues. And that they have to destroy them somehow, and they decide to take them back uh, to the uh, Khorasan temple. Yeah, bonehead move. Yeah. They're all and just fucking morons. Before they do that, one of the Jedis uh, on the station, Death Rider, who was also the apprentice of Jaramali, he gets himself killed, they think. Mm-hmm. Apparently, he's not killed, he's just portaled away. So, there's a bunch of um, angst because of his death. And they decide to move to Coruscant to stow away the dark side statues. So, that's our premise, basically. Yeah. So a lot of the book is set on this space station, um, which was created by this warrior race, kind of like Mandalorian-esque warrior race called the Amaxine. Um, it's either Amaxarin or Amaraxin, and we're going to say it wrong the entire time. So The, the audiobook just calls them Amaxine, so that's what I'm going to go with. Okay. But um, yeah, so it's this very mysterious, because the Amaxine have basically, well, this, the story we're told, and kind of interesting because i remember reading about the amaxine they're actually mentioned in bloodline just in passing their legend is mentioned in passing uh by leia uh talking about how they fled the galaxy i think it's leia who mentions them um but uh, it's not really in passing it's i think it's uh i said there's because one of the yeah I i think leia mentions it in passing and then there's also a thing about like there isn't one of the first order groups being trained under their name or something yeah, yeah, I I always thought that it's either they actually moved out of the galaxy and they were found by the first order and somehow became intertwined, or maybe they uh, they are not really Amaxins but someone who took the name and uh, are yeah. From what I remember, there's like because there's like these secret. They're not even called first order at that point. I think they're just called like Imperial loyalists, and they're like training on this planet. From what I remember. And I think they call one of them, um, I think they call one of the groups, like a ma- like they name them something after the Maxine. I'm kind of just spitballing here. I don't really remember. But yeah, they're mentioned in Bloodline and the space station uh, that they're visiting actually appears in the uh, Kylo Ren comics as well, which was interesting. Snoke's there. Um, but yeah, it's this very mysterious space station. Um, it's filled with all of these strange plants. It's like got these rings orbiting it or kind of attached to it. Um, and it's just very ancient and very strange. And after the disaster goes off, um, as Ilkin said, they're kind of stuck there because hyperspace is completely shut down 
and um, the station itself is by a very um, angry star that often is prone to uh, to solar flares. So they kind of have to stay on the station because it's shielded. Um, and yeah, like he kind of explained, the first part of the book is them kind of navigating that. There's some conflict between the various people. Then they go back to Coruscant with the statues. And then they sort of plan um, the, the various kind of individuals involved in the story all have their own reason why they want to head back uh, to the station. So there's one side plot involving, uh, what's Affy. her name again? Affy. I hated the side plot. There's, there's one side plot involving Affy. Uh, she's one of the people on the spaceship that they kind of hire. Uh, Affy, Leon, and Geode. Um, or is it Leox? Leox. Leox and Geode. Again, audiobook listener kind of messed up uh they want to go back for their own reasons and then the other jedi want to go back for their own reasons to replace the statues because they realize that uh, they probably weren't keeping something within they were keeping something on the station kind of dormant so it all leads to this big kind of uh conflict at the end because by the time they return now the nihil are there and it's a, just a big mess not only yeah. nihil uh apparently the rings uh that took this uh, they actually lead to the race uh, that's called uh, Ringir. Ringir, yeah. Ringir. And Ringir are like this uh, plants who like to eat human meat, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, the idea is that Amaxins and Ringir fought each other, but mm. they fought each other to stand still, and uh, Amaxins were able to stop the invasion by the Ringir into the galaxy. Yeah. And the fact that the Jedi is tampered with the statues uh, now... Um... seem more like the Sith who stopped them, right? Yeah, that's actually a question that I was going to ask you guys, your opinion. Uh, it's it's kind of implied like Amaxins had some kind of connection to the dark side? Or am I made, making it up? Uh, it was... I was kind of unsure whether it was implying that it was either like the Amaxin who fought it, or Sith who fought them, or some combination of the two, or the two are kind of one and the same at some points. Hmm. But I kind of just figured the Sith showed up later. Sorry, Corey. I, uh, well, what I'm saying is kind of unrelated, but like one thing that I did like about the backstory we got with the Amaxin is that uh, one of my things with the High Republic has been that it felt like it was compressing the galactic history of the Republic a bit too much, uh, mm-hmm. and making it seem like it had only been a couple hundred years that the Republic was around, even by the time of the High Republic. So like a thousand... BBY would have been the hard start date, but this is talking about like wars with the Sith and the Republic and the Republic doing stuff with the Emaxin for like 4,000 years before. So mm-hmm. that kind of cleared up some scares I had at least. It's actually something that I was thinking after reading out of the shadows. Again, I don't want to go into that book deep, but uh, both this book and all four books in general, they, um, they talk about hyperspace in detail and, uh, I think hyperspace will remain uh, a very important uh, part of the High Republic as a con- concept. Uh, and I think at some point we'll start getting some kind of connection between the Jedi and the, uh, the, and the hyperspace. But mm-hmm. uh, the, my problem with the High Republic is that uh, it seems that uh, most of the routes that were found uh, around Republic were found in the, like, 200 years yeah that was and kind of I, my problem too and i can't imagine i don't know guys if you guys have read the foundation by isaac asimov mm-hmm. yep 
so there's this idea of an empire that survives just because uh, uh, travel and uh, network of information is very convenient and easy. Mm -hmm. And when it starts to break down, empire breaks down, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, the Republic, I can't see even being formed without uh, the hyperspace lanes already established. Yeah, that was one of my problems too. And like, it's not just hyperspace lanes. It's just like, it is the degree to which they've colonized as well. And even like Coruscant is like completely different at this time. Because um, like they're talking about how Coruscant's still like heavily under construction. And that's to me why it feels like the High Republic would have fit a little bit better a thousand years instead of 200 or 300. Like you do lose the connectivity of characters like Yoda, although you could have Yoda introduced maybe some of the really late stuff. But yeah, I, I agree that like I feel like that's one thing I did prefer about Legends, although like the the old Republic stuff was really messy and it was very repetitive with Sith Sith war after Sith war. I did kind of like how the Republic really felt like established for a long time. And this is like, yeah, we're 300 years earlier and it's like half the galaxy hasn't been connected yet. Well, it's still uh, like this is still more the outer rim areas in the frontier. So there's still some bigger civilizations out there, but just very hard to get to before. And now it's more like going from uh, a few major hyperspace routes that are still kind of like dirt roads uh, to having those as like solid paved highways. And we're starting to get a little bit of branching off as the dirt roads going to smaller areas. Yeah. So I don't think it. I don't think it's quite that bad because like it does imply the the core the mid-rim the colonies those areas are all still like really interconnected mm -hmm. and even little pockets out as far as mutalinst and Ariado, it's more like off to the other sides and little empty other pockets yep. yeah that's, that's that's a fair point that's a fair point actually um, Yoda, i was thinking about that when they just announced the high republic i was a bit worried that uh they will try to use Yoda as like central figure of it all. That hasn't been a concern so far. <laughs> and now he's just relegated to the uh, comics, and yeah. we haven't even seen him. I think it's a good decision uh, going forward because uh, it allows other characters to come mm -hmm. to, into their own. I guess. Yep. No, I agree. I, I think I think they're handling Yoda well. I do think he'll he is still kind of legendary. I, I complain this about this on Twitter. The one thing that I haven't liked about the Hierarchic is that literally everything um, that Yoda says yeah. in the original trilogy is like now some big maxim yeah. that he was like apparently spouting off 300 years ago. Like I like the idea that Yoda is just saying all these things to Luke because you know it's what Luke needs. Now I, I guess to be fair, he's seen hundreds of students, so he's said all this shit before. But it's like, do we really need to hear every Yoda quote like repeated by so... another Jedi? I, well, I guess old you uh, old you was similar in that right uh, regarding the uh, don't tell tell me the old like every yeah. Korean out there yes exactly uh, it's it's something that big universes do I mm -hmm. guess like yeah I agree with it like I I don't like when they're doing it but I was thinking about that as like with some of the other stuff we get in the book uh, where ultimately. <laughs> The way the High Republic kind of has to go and the way the prequels are even set up is that the Jedi Order of like Grandmaster Yoda in 300 years has to be the Jedi Order that falls. So the stuff that we're hearing about now complaining about like, oh, uh, are we handling attachment incorrectly that like uh, Komak is thinking about and Orla, like 
a lot of the High Republic, just by the way the prequels work, has to kind of pin the failure of the Jedi Order on entrenching too much of what we get from Yoda later. So having some stuff that is directly from Yoda still putting him in a more positive light, I think you need something like that. I think the way they're doing it wouldn't be the best way to do it, and I don't think it's intentionally done like that, but I think there is an element of that kind of works to pre-rehabilitate Yoda before we just kind of shit on what he turns into. I think I always blame Mace for all of that. Uh, I have this intense hate for Mace Windu. I <laughs> everything bad that happens happens because of him. He's a very easy person to hate. I will say yeah. that. <laughs> well, even here we get uh, it's still the people who are supposed to kind of sympathize with as being correct about like uh, are the Jedi cutting themselves off from uh, from real life with other people? Like the ones on the council are the ones who are kind of seen as the opposition force in that. And that includes Yoda, other stars like Opa Rancisis and Ariel Poof, who stick mm. around for later. Yeah. But My so, problem was I felt like the, that bit of the book, I, I don't know, I felt like it was kind of like, I don't know, like it, a lot of the back, I guess my main problem was a lot of these backstories really fell flat for me. Like, I, I'm just going to say, I, I really didn't like this book very much. Um, I thought that um, the backstory of what, what's her name again? I already forgot. Orla. The, uh, not Orla. The uh, Affy. I thought Affy's backstory was like just awful, um, and like I thought her motivations didn't make a lot of sense. Like I didn't get why. I, I guess it felt like she was making too many jumps of logic to me. Like from seeing the code to like you yeah. know everything else. Like I, I didn't like that. Um, I guess I did. Well, she ends like... up being wrong, so it is meant to be like it's presented as a jump in logic, and it's an incorrect jump in logic. So it's yeah, but it's just like a jump of logic that like drives the story. Sorry, go ahead. I thought that she is correct. Uh, well, in fact that her stepmother is basically uh, using indented service, etc. No. She's yeah. she's right by the end, but when she's originally having these jumps in logic, she's seeing this code and jumping to all these conclusions about like uh, people just conspiring against her by oh. using this space, where it's like uh, the actual thing going on is they're using this space. She knows they're using this space, and there is stuff that's against her in this, but she's not the good person in this. Like, Scoverbine isn't the good person in this. Well, I guess we all tend to think better of our parents in some cases uh so i can see how someone can jump to a conclusion that the bad thing is happening but my parent is probably not guilty yeah. uh, i can see it happening but like yeah. the the thing of like seeing a thing that looks kind of like her species and be like oh my god that's scoverbine like yeah that's really yeah. stupid or like even that it's just like there's a smuggler's code there like that's not really I don't know. Like i didn't think it was that weird like of course smugglers would use a station and would provide i don't know it was just for me, like, I wasn't behind on that, and that, like, especially, like, when it comes to, there's this, like, when the Nihil are there, and it's life or death, and she's going back to, like, record some notes, mm -hmm. like, I, like, I don't know. Um, I didn't mind the, that was, like, kind of one of the side stories. The others was, like, the flashback um, to the past, featuring some of the Jedi in the story. Like, even with that one, I just, I felt like it was a bit clumsy. Like, I wanted them to say kind of more than they ended up saying. Like, I wanted them to take, like, I guess a stand one way or the other about, like, what the Jedi are or aren't doing. And we kind of get there at the bit of the, a bit at the end, but 
it was just not anything I'd kind of not heard and done, seen better in other things. So the thing uh, there is that Cormac uh, is saying that he didn't get enough time to grieve about his master, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And he, uh, he's questioning if the Jedi's are too strict in their code, if mm -hmm. uh, not grieving, not allowing to grieve is uh, something that leads to a dark side event. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, I, I agree with you that it wasn't the best uh, side story, but uh, in general, High Republic, at least for me, is uh, uh, the whole, the, the most important thing is uh, what happened to the Jedi's, why are they so broken mm -hmm. in the prequel era? Mm -hmm. uh, for instance, um, the, uh, when Afi uh, sees the Jedi for the first time, she's like, uh, are you guys monks? Mm -hmm. uh, and Two things. First of all, uh, majority of the population of the galaxy have never seen a Jedi. That's mm -hmm. actually, for me, it makes the universe bigger, and uh, we always clamor for that, right? We always mm -hmm. say that it's mm -hmm. bad when the universe gets extremely small, etc. Yeah, uh, num sure. number two, there's uh, uh, Reef's, uh, Reef tries to explain to Afi that uh, they are not the monks, and uh, again, she asks if are they allowed to have sex? And he's like, uh, yes, but no. <laughs> yes, but no attachment, etc., etc., etc. So uh, when you think about the prequel Jedi's, prequel era Jedi's, it seems that even sex is out of bounds, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah sex is okay, but uh, attachment is not. Well, even Wreath doesn't seem to, like, it's more of the internal monologue of Comac we get, or Comac or Orla, where they're like, well, mm -hmm. actually, that's a more complicated thing, but I don't think he's going to explain that. But, like, does Wreath even really understand that? Because Wreath is very by the books, because that's his whole thing. I, I think he kind of indicates in one bit that, like, because when, um, when Nan, I think, asks him, or maybe it is Affy, mm. he kind of has this internal monologue where he's like, there's a bit more nuance, and then he just says no. Like, like yeah. I, I think for him, it's just not worth him worth to explain yeah. that. Like, yes, physically it's fine, but like there is a difference, and like, yeah. But yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. Y you are right that they do seem to be getting kind of more and more like kind of caught up in their dogma and stuff, which which I do think is interesting. This is all just because Yaddle rejected Yoda at some point. <laughs> yeah, Yoda became it's an insult. Because Yoko. Yeah, that's true. Maybe it's hard to say. Maybe maybe she didn't. Maybe that's why there's a little Grogu waddling around. Who knows? Regarding again, Jedi code and Orla. Uh, Orla is a wayfinder, right? That's a term. Yeah, yeah. Or way seeker. I think wayfinder is the yeah, Sith thing from Episode yeah. Nine. So uh, I was reading Master and Apprentice uh, like a few months ago, mm -hmm. and. After thinking about the whole Wayseeker idea, it feels like the fact that uh, Jedi's of the old were allowed to leave the Order and do their stuff, mm -hmm. uh, it might be good in terms of releasing the pressure a bit. Uh, yeah. Because the prequel Jedi's were, if either you are a Jedi or you are, a, I don't know, a dark side user, basically. So much more strict. Again, I guess we'll see why that happens uh, by the end of the era. But uh, again, yeah, I, like, I... I like that too because, like, Qui Gon would have been like prime way seeker because yeah, he yeah. didn't get along with a lot of what happened. What a lot of the council did. Even... There definitely does seem to be more roots for like an aspiring Jedi in this. Like, yeah, they can serve the order, but they can still kind of like 
they can either serve the order and do whatever the council wants. They can serve the order and, you know, kind of just maraud around on their own, or they can even go as far as being like a way seeker like Orla. Well, we even get a uh, mention of like different Jedi temples here, which is something that seems to have been kind of dropped by the time of the prequel era. And it was something we even got in Legends with like uh, the Jedi. Children of the Jedi and everything, where there were all cool. these other little areas with Jedi in it. And then like stuff like Kotor, you have the Jedi enclaves. But a lot of main media has always kind of leaned more towards there's the Jedi on Coruscant and then that's it. And this seems to be going the other direction. Like there's the core order, but there's all these different relationships you can have with it where they don't immediately go hunt you down and take your lightsaber, which is cool. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, we can uh, we can forecast that Starlight Beacon will be destroyed, right? Uh, and uh, is I guess it still around? Not in the prequel era. Do we know I, for sure it's not around? Um, I I can I think that we would he heard about it at least yeah. in Clone Wars, maybe yeah. because we have uh, visited like hundred planet planets. No, uh, apparently it's still around. I yeah, I think it's on... in a comic yeah. later. Yeah, someone says it's still oh. around. Oh, actually, it says it says inspiration. Never mind. Sorry. Mm. So in, maybe not. So it wasn't destroyed. I was going. I mean, to sorry, that... it, it might be destroyed. We, I guess we don't know. I I think it's up in the air but i do think it'll probably be destroyed at some point yeah, because uh its destruction probably led to uh killing of a bunch of jedis uh which probably which might have yeah. led to the order for everyone to move back to coruscant mm, that'd be interesting yeah i can see that i, I hope we get the uh the jedi ship from legends the chinto or whatever it was called that was sick yeah so Maybe, like, whatever happens with Elzar kind of throws them into... Because, like, we got the hints of Elzar's brush with the dark side in uh, mm -hmm. in Rising Storm, and it seems like he'll probably be in the, like, main series of books, our primary discussion point of, like, what's the relationship between the Jedi, the dark side, and uh, how centralized the Order ends up being. Because, like, we do have Orla in here, but I don't know how much she's going to factor into the next Young Reader books, even let alone future High Republic stuff, so... She wasn't She wasn't in the Out of the Shadows. Uh, so I think she was in the comics, but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, in here, in this book, we have uh, Des Raiden, who I think they're implying that when uh, Drangir took over his mind, they forced him to kind of shift to the dark side, in a way. Mm, something happens and uh maybe he might be obviously he uh, took a uh he decided not to use force for some time after at the end of the book mm -hmm. but i but i feel like he might be the dark side user for the young uh yeah. adult novels maybe that'd be interesting i could i could see that because he's definitely not on a uh not on a good... Well, he's going to try to self-isolate now yeah. <laughs> for two decades. He's going to Jedi yeah. NoFap. <laughs> yeah, Jedi NoFap, yeah. Basically. Okay. Uh, yeah, so should we talk about the elephant in the room, though? That the Jedi video? caused the Drangir? Oh. Yeah, no. There, there's a few elephants. There's a whole herd in the room we need to get to. <laughs> yeah, okay, let's, let's get to the Jedi causing Drangir. Because that's like one of the all-time dumb moments in Star Wars. In the reason... Opinion. So th the whole second... The second half of the book, all that actually gets accomplished is Scoverbine going to jail. Because the reason that Wreath goes to... Star to not Starlight Beak, to the Maxon Station again 
is to stop the Nihil, but Nan and Hag had already contacted the Nihil. The reason that Orla and Komak want to go back to the station was to put the idols back, but they end up just breaking them and re-releasing the Drengear anyways. So it... So I, I haven't read the comics, but I think Out of the Shadows implies that uh, at this point there's active dangerous invasion because uh, the Nile took the spores of danger and they were spreading it around, uh, and that's why we're getting danger invasion. Yeah, so, but they wouldn't have even known about that, like... point. Because, like... By the time the Drengear are on the station, the Nihil are, or sorry, sorry. By the time the Nihil are on the station, the Drengear are back to being um, just trees again because they're yeah. being like put back by the force. Uh, they're being put down by the the, the force. What whatever the, the Nihil probably would have broken the statues though. Let's or stolen them. So it that that is possible, but it's it's still like. That's the Jedi do that so they can escape the station. Like they unleash this like mm-hmm. ancient evil so they can escape the station, which is like the ultimate not Jedi move. And it's not even that smart because as you pointed out to me in a in a text, and I didn't even think about this, Corey, they could have just taken the escape pods on yeah. the Reese does exactly yeah. what they should have done before they released the drink here. They should have all gone in the pods, vent the station, and eject themselves. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's true. This evil is relegated to the comics, which is annoying to me. I guess I will have to read them eventually if I want to be informed of what's going on. But uh, I I think uh, you guys mentioned uh, when you were talking with Alex uh, from uh, Star Wars Explained Mm -hmm. that the main threat of the High Republic era is still not here. We still haven't seen that main threat. Mm -hmm. And I after reading this one and seeing that uh, the Drangir are, are not featuring in any of the books, I think that's true. I I wonder if that will be Sith or uh, maybe some other dark side users. They were a little bit in uh, in uh, what's it called that other um, the second major High Republic book. They're at the Rising very Storm. beginning, but. Rising Storm. Rising Storm yeah. No, yeah, Rising Storm. What are, so these names, man? I can't, I, I can't do it. Like, I honestly can't do it. There was but, one yeah. that was fought by uh, kind of the mercenary Jedi. I yeah, at the name. very beginning. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, but that's that's not like they're not really featured, right? It's, a, yeah. it's just an episode. Yeah, just something to kill while the character's being introduced. Yeah, it can be a random monster. It doesn't matter, basically. Which I think is kind of a shame because the Drengear have it interesting concept i think i think they're a little more interesting than the nihil i don't like how kind of human they're made like i think they'd be more interesting if they were a little bit stranger like they're always like laughing and talking in basic and stuff like that's a little disappointing but i i do think that they kind of have potential i like the kind of creepy nature of the story early on while they're going through the station it kind of reminded me a bit of like event horizon especially when they find that um the big kind of like engine thing it reminded me of the the thing they find in Event Horizon, but Event Horizon is that a movie? Yeah, it's about like um, it, it's a it's not a great movie, but it's an interesting movie. It's like this spaceship um uses a a black hole basically to it's supposed to do its faster than light travel, and but it opens a wormhole to hell basically, and like all of the 
all the people on the ship are like killed by demons and they go crazy and stuff and get, go to hell. It's okay, so it's Doom basically. Yeah, it's it's a it, it is very Doom like. It's got um, I remember who's in the movie. Um, Lawrence Fishburne. Lord, yeah, Larry Fishburne at the time, I believe. But uh, <laughs> also another good horror movie, The Dream Warriors, which is um one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Yeah. My favorite one. Wow. But yeah, it's, it's very Warhammer-like, like the war in Warhammer. Um, so, uh, Justin, if you wanted a, a very alien thing for them to encounter, then something that's very not human, something that's not really recognizable as life in some ways, uh, that must mean uh, we should move on to talking about Geode. <laughs> yeah, so Geode's probably the most controversial Star Wars character in a long time. Mostly from people, I assume, who haven't read the book. Yes, because it's the same to me as like... Uh, the whole Alphabet Squadron doesn't make sense because you wouldn't mix fighters. That can only come from people who have never actually read Alphabet Squadron. Yeah. Yes, when the fighters are almost never flying together. And yeah, when they're in combat situations, they get split up to different matching fighter squadrons. Mm-hmm. Alphabet Squadron is not even a fighter squadron. It's more like a... It's an intel unit. Uh, Working team. group. Like yeah. Rafe Squadron, I, I guess, is the best uh, comparison. It's an, yeah. it's an intelligence... Task force, like they, I think they even I might, call I might it that. Tweet in the that books, out later. But... Thanks for that idea. <laughs> but well, um, regarding Jod, uh, someone, uh, I think on Twitter, somebody from Star Wars community that I'm uh, following, they said something that's really resonated with me. Uh, that uh, Star Wars is like a sandbox, and at some point, a writer gets an opportunity to play in that sandbox, and they try to push the envelope as much as possible without uh, being banned from it. So yeah, that was... Uh... Oh, seems that? something like that. And I will be honest, I have read a bunch of stuff from Claudia Gray uh, in Star Wars and out of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It seems very uncharacteristic, if you know what I mean. Because yeah. I think we talked off the stream about Chuck Wendig, that his writing is weird and uh, he has this quirky style. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Claudia Gray is very different in this regard. Uh, she is very straightforward, very uh, within the universe, very within the rules of the universe. So I don't know what happens there, to be honest. Uh, I'm not saying that Jod is bad or anything like that. It's just, uh, it's the idea, the whole idea seems to be like for humor. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. part. Of, it's played for humor in a lot of the situations he's in. But I like I. If I was given the free reign to just introduce whatever I want to Star Wars, I wouldn't put in a rock life form. But with what she's trying to do with the with the book and with the characters, especially Wreath, where it's like kind of broadening their horizons and their preconceptions on like what they're supposed to do, what life is supposed to look like, because they're going to the frontier, which is a challenge to like Reith's conception of like civilization versus the frontier. And he thinks he's got everything in a neat box. And geode is something that he introduced to like right away on his journey that kind of challenges his conception of like, what is this box that I'm putting everything in because it is a box that can allegedly walk around. And he's kind of thinking like, are people just fucking with me? Is this just a rock that's sitting here? But then he kind of learned like stuff happens from geode and eventually geode saves him that I think he serves a reasonable purpose here. That yeah, I, yeah I, I agree. I just 
okay for one he's not the you know stupid he's not like the it's, he's not a big deal for one no. there's you know people claim that this is like oh he represents how bad star wars is he's he's not he's fairly harmless and like Corey said he, he maybe even has a point to the story i think my main problem is that for one we do get the same joke probably 20 times in the book yeah. like actually where it'll be geo doesn't do anything he just sits there as in um, right? Yeah, and they'll be like, "Oh, Geode's comforting silence." If it's like, if the appropriate <laughs> moment, or his silence was telling, which I actually laughed at. Like, I laughed out loud the, the first time, but it's like literally twenty times. And the second is like, for me, I think the character remains a little too kind of like, like you never actually. I still understand how it works. Like, maybe you don't have to, but like, he. He, I don't know how he moves. I don't know how he does anything. Shifting um, plates. He's like, uh, like rocks have. He's fl- he described as flaky. So like the flakes are gonna rotate around a bit. And yeah, okay. Just one thing. I, 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 I might be weird, and you guys might call me a pervert, but <laughs> stay with me for a moment. Yeah. So when the uh, discussion about Jedi's being like monks and having no sex comes up, mm-hmm. and Afi and Leo, they uh, Leops. Uh, they talk afterwards, and Afi says something like, "Well, you know better than anyone how you can love and not have sex." Mm-hmm. For a moment, I thought that she's implying that Jude and Leo are in the. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved that. No, they they imply that Geode's uh, when it's his molting cycle, he's a real. <laughs> yeah, he's out there. Just... Yeah, so, so I know that it's a bit weird, like out there with Akbar and Winter. No, that's not, not out there. That's that's no, officially that's... established. Yeah. Like, let's, like, let's get is, that straight. How is Geo doing things on the console, though? Like, you know, like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. But because yeah. it was for me, it was like, OK, like I'm waiting for it's a joke that like you can make. But I do think you got to like give it a bit of not payoff. But I don't know how to how to really describe it. He's not like people make such big of a deal of him, though. And it's, it's just really like he's a, yeah. he's a silly character, like and he even has a bit of a purpose and. You know, he's a, he's a fun addition to the book, and he's not like, like you read about Geo, do you think he's like the main Jedi of the Republic of the Era? And it's like, no, he's the Rock. He created from uh, Jedi Order and from uh, Young Jedi books. What? Yeah, Ikrit, he's a little uh, bunny. What about him? Well, <laughs> like I'm, I'm just trying to say that Star Wars is Star Wars is a weird universe. <laughs> Would. It's, it ranges from genocidal seriousness all the way to I don't know, uh, Ikrit and Jared. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's there's stuff like uh, Sun Crusher, which makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Well, there are a billion different things that makes no sense. I I just feel that people are a bit uh, biased, I guess, uh, towards High Republic. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying not to uh, like uh, go all the way to other other side and be really uh, happy with the books, etc. But mm-hmm. uh, the bias against High Republic is, uh, in my opinion, it's completely, completely uh, fabricated. I guess mm-hmm. the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think that's fair. There's yeah. definitely, it's definitely yeah. the people. Most like, people railing against the high like. I don't want to get too spicy and go after certain YouTubers, but everyone knows the names, right? Yeah, 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 of course. Um, I don't know what's happening. 
I can imagine not liking the High Republic, and I don't like a lot of the High Republic, but, like, for me, it's not... And this is a bit of a shot against the High Republic. It hasn't done anything interesting enough for, for someone to hate it, I don't think. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know how you could hate it. Like, is it boring? Like, you could... Some people would find it boring. I think some of the books have been, some of them haven't. But, like... I don't think it's anything worth, you know, the the backlash it's gotten. It's more yeah. just like it's just the culture war stuff. Like my initial uh, exposure to Geode was just the the backlash to it. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna read like this is this seems overblown, but I'm probably gonna read this and not like not like that. But then like I'm fine with Geode. I even kind of like like I'm lukewarm on Geode, which is much better than I mm-hmm. thought I'd be to even slightly positive on him being around where he is, but. Mm-hmm. Like, would you guys prefer, if you're going to get a character like Geode, would you like the Geode style, or would you like the anthropomorphic Mount Soro style? <laughs> I definitely like Geode better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'm just looking at my notes here to see if I had anything else well, I wanted. Someone is buying the books, because uh, all four books ended up uh, on the bestseller list, and Light of the Jedi was, I think, number one for four weeks, something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Which means there's that only been like four Star Wars books to actually debut yeah. at number one. That was one of them. So it's definitely doing pretty well. For me, like I was kind of meh on Light of the Jedi, but I really liked Rising Storm. And I actually also really enjoyed this, even though I think some of the broader plot stuff, I didn't like the whole use the escape pod instead of maybe waking up the Jengir. But I did. The thing I liked about this was more the character interactions than anything. I, I personally like those characters. I was the opposite, and I was kind of surprised because I really liked Lost Stars, so I kind of had high expectations because the best part about Lost Stars is the characters. It's like really just two characters that carry the whole story. Oh, yeah, and for it. this, yeah. But for this, I I think the only character I really got attached to is Leox. Like, I didn't like... Uh, I didn't really like the main character. I thought he was too much of, like, the... Like, it's so, I just think it's kind of cheap, for one, if you're writing a book and it's like, or you're making a book for teenagers yeah. and the, uh, and the character's main thing is that they like reading. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, it's it's a kind of cheap way to, uh, try to make the character relatable, I think. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I just, the characters didn't do it for me and it's totally subjective. So I, I could definitely understand why they did for you, Corey. I like lame shit. And you got bad taste. It makes sense. <laughs> the thing is, uh, again, uh, I'm going to hammer this point because I guess I really like it. Uh, I, I I really don't know what they mean when they, when they say uh, young adult. Probably mm-hmm. uh, mid-teens and old teens, something like 15, 20. But well, Alex it, explained this pretty well once. I think oh. that it's a, such a weird age group, in my opinion. Like, so, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, sir. I was going to say the way Alex explained it to me, and he this was explained to him by Claudia Gray, okay. is that young adult is less the difficulty of the stories in reading. So, like, this book isn't significantly harder or easier to read than you know the other High Republic books. It uses the same kind of language, maybe a bit simpler. The thing is more the themes. Um, so like books that are young reader or sorry, young adult will typically have themes around like, um, relationships, finding your identity, kind of all these things that, you know, Star Wars is generally about, um, which 
is why a lot of Star Wars young reader books don't feel or young adult books don't feel very different. Like Lost Stars is definitely a young adult book because it's all about relationships. It's all about growing up and romance and finding your place after, you know, in the real life it'd be after school and after moving out. But in Star Wars, it's, you know, as you're growing up to be a Jedi or whatever. So it's really more about like themes than anything about like difficulty or anything like that. Uh, that's a good point, but then, in my opinion, uh, this book did really well in terms of building its young characters. Mm-hmm. I feel like Riff uh, is able to overcome some of his internal problems regarding mm-hmm. not living Coruscant. I think mm-hmm. Akpi is able to move on from uh, her blind trust in her stepmother. Mm-hmm. I Definitely. feel like there's uh will might 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 end up being better as a character going forward because of his uh struggle with dark side after the uh Dranger stuff mm-hmm. so uh i feel like especially young characters were able to uh, move forward mm-hmm. for Cormac, uh one of the jedi so uh apparently because his master died on that mission he never took an apprentice mm-hmm. Which I don't know how that works. So he became Jedi Master without ever taking an apprentice. I felt like to be a master, you need to train at least a few Jedi's in your time. You uh, think so? Uh, but regardless, so for the, for the first time, he uh, he is able to take an apprentice, uh, and he, t- he takes Reef as his apprentice. So he moves on, and uh, I'm not sure about uh, Orla, to be honest. You got a nice car. Like, what, what more could you want? Oh <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I think that's, uh, I think, I think that's a pretty good explanation of everything. I guess another one of my problems too is the most interesting part in the book isn't really examined, and that would have been Dez's um, kind of experience with the uh, Dren gear because we hear a lot about what's going on. Of course, we get the fake out. He's dead, but he's not really. I don't think anybody actually thought he was dead. Um, But I would have really liked to see what he was going through Um, because the Drengear are this really weird alien species. That could have been unique, almost like kind of Jason on the uh, torture rack with Mm -hmm. the Vong, but obviously, or maybe not so. uh, He's more just being chemically messed up by the the Drengear's poisons and stuff, but yeah. So do we know if Drengear are outside of the galaxy somewhere? No, I think actually I I don't know if we I'm assuming they're inside because they just take the uh the pod there, but I guess yeah. we don't know. I think they're in just in a place that's really hard to get to through hyperspace currently. Okay. That they was should... another one of my problems. I didn't really see the strategic use of the facility. Like the main thing is like they have this conversation um I forget it's it's just two of the Jedi, and they're like, "Oh, the Nihil can use this to spy on us, to get pro- to get probes near Coruscant, or to sneak people on the planet." But like, you can do that with any ship. You know what I mean? It seems that the uh, something was said about uh, Nihil having a forward base, something like that. Mm-hmm. But the way Nihil operate, I don't feel like they would want to have an yeah. uh, forward base. If you know what I mean, because want to be mobile. Yeah, uh, and the Republic is obviously so much more uh, powerful than the Nile, right? They mm-hmm. probably want yeah. somewhere they can hide. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think that it was a good explanation, to be honest. 
Well, that's all still from the Republic's point of view, and they don't really know anything about the Nihil yet, so they're kind of just a big question mark. I feel like when uh, Riff wants to go back, it it has something to do with, uh, I wouldn't say revenge, but he wants to go, uh, he wants to understand what happened with uh, uh, Nan over there, uh, why it happened, etc. Definitely feels a bit um, peeved by her taking advantage of him. I actually have it in my notes, a bit weird again. Uh, High Republic has some strange subjects, like it can be considered like an insult folder, if you know what I mean. Like if you, uh, obviously that's before the Out of the Shadows, the first Mm -hmm. three books, I mean. Mm -hmm. Every one of them has this theme of uh, love and betrayal. Mm Uh, especially for Reef and for uh, Elza. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Elza Which has... is something we didn't really see outside of... Well, we don't see as often with like prequel era stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Besides for Anakin, I guess. But yeah, you're right. That has been something that's pretty common. Um, yeah. Yeah, I understand why they're trying to uh, cover these topics in the young adult books. And uh, it's also a good idea to cover them in the mainline books because mm-hmm. we want to see how Jedi were before the prequels, so uh, it's one interesting place to go with that. Yeah, I I also just think it's just not easy to relate to a group of monks, you know, like, they're not strictly monks, but I mean, I think the average person has a very hard time relating with somebody who can very easily not care about things. I think that's why, like, Anakin is such a good character, because, or Jason, such a good character because you understand that their kind of downsides are coming from very human things. Like, that's why, like, I like the character of Obi-Wan, but, like, for me, he'll always be second. Because, like, I, I read the Revenge of the Sith novel, and I'm like, I don't really understand his perspective of just being able to give everything up and, you know, um, and, like, there are some Jedi who are even kind of more in that direction. Whereas, like, with Anakin or, like, with Elzar, he's one of probably my favorite because he's the most kind of human-like um, that we've seen in a very long time, where he's like, yeah, like I w- kind of want to be a Jedi, but I kind of also want like a cutie pie GF on the side. He's also a Jedi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or uh, a tour operator, not yeah. well, administrator, whatever she was. But yeah, if you can get a Jedi, I guess tour operator is fine. Same thing, really. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a good. I, I like that you brought that up. Uh, I think that's a good point. So, do you guys think that Wreath uh, ended up with the right person? Because, like, they kind of just stuck him with someone who was almost designed as older Wreath. Whereas when his problem was kind of broadening his horizons, I was thinking if I hadn't already known he ended up with Comac, I would have been more inclined to think, like, oh, is he going to go with Orla? I think yeah. Orla didn't get enough play in the book. That would be my problem. Yeah, so. but Orla, there's there are a few points in the book where Reef is like, uh, Orla is so cool. Uh <laughs> Yeah. At some point, he even thinks that she's pretty, etc. So uh, that might have been a problem, obviously, power dynamics, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I think what I read from Out of the Shadows, uh, they don't use Cormac as much. Mm-hmm. So Riff will remain like a main character. Uh, and that's a good point that they probably should have given him a different... Uh, master, but I, I, I can't imagine though. Like Elsa might have worked. At some point, I thought that uh, they might uh, pair up 
uh, Dez and Reef together because uh, they kind of have a shared trauma now, and uh, talking about it would be interesting down the line, but we don't get uh, Dez at all in Out of the Shadows. I kind of thought that he was going to get to go on his own at the end. He thought he'd like, be knighted? Yeah, I thought he had done enough to be knighted, and like, there is kind of a lesson that like, he learns everything not from, you know, going along with a master, but kind of putting himself out there and doing weird things. I thought the second that he was, or not weird things, different things for him. I thought the second that um, he had decided to go to back to the frontier, I thought the council was going to give him his uh, knighthood. Because he's what? Like, he is 20, isn't he? he? I think he's 17, but, like, a lot of the Padawans are staying as Padawans well into their 20s. And, like, Anakin was supposed to be, I think, relatively young to not be a Padawan anymore. So I think it's pretty like it. It would be very uh, non-standard for Reith to become a knight at that point, especially when he still had a lot that he was clearly working on. He's mm, well. I'm just trying to check here. Uh, he's thirty-two. So why am I having? Sorry, I'm trying to find out. So he was born in two. I think it says his oh, age. I was reading the page number. I thought he, I thought he said he was in the twenties for some reason. I think, I think it was seventeen. Okay. I remember being seventeen. Yeah, you're right. Seventeen. I just found his age. Yeah. Okay. So that makes a bit more sense then. And apparently, they make uh, one of the uh, apprentices that he studied with uh, Vilnest uh, a night very early, like at mm. first in. Yeah. It was really a surprise for me because Jedi is that young. We don't get them in the any other era, do we? Not in canon, at least. Yeah, I think of too even, many. Even in stuff like NGO in the middle of the I don't know, uh, Galaxy Ending War, uh, they don't become knights until they like nineteen or twenty, right? Yeah, Merkir, I think Jaina and Jason would have been. Uh, they would have been about nineteen. Six, so that would have been. Yeah, they would have been about 18. So I know that they're trying to build a main character for the uh, young adult books, and having someone like a Jedi would is a good idea. Mm-hmm. But again, too early, and that's why I don't like the idea of making Reef a knight at this point. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I thought he was a bit older, but yeah, that, that, that does make sense. Um, yeah. He's got some time, some more cooking time. Some more reading, probably. Yeah. I found another interesting thing regarding this uh, Kyber Crystal test uh, that Joya mentions at the beginning of the book, that, like, why no Jedi can pass the test. Oh, uh, the Kyber Arch? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if that's because uh, if no Jedi dies, uh, no one's Kyber Crystal ends in a, a arc, etc., etc. That's why you can't cross it on a, on, on your own. Yeah, because like was... everyone who like built it up before you, you're still yeah. walking on their accomplishments, standing on the shoulders yeah. of giants, literally. Yeah, mine was similar. I thought that um, you couldn't do it because nobody becomes a Jedi without help. Yeah, that was kind of my thought. Oh. Yeah, well, on the same page then, because it's you say that uh, they always use this uh, Yoda saying, etc. So this one was new, and that's why I called it mm-hmm. immediately. Like, why no one can cross it on its, et mm-hmm. and then if it's like 
dude, I'm seeing people crossing on their own all the time. Yeah, so. he's like a little dumb in that moment. It's like it's clearly metaphorical, and he's like, "What do you mean? Like, I see people cross <laughs> it all the time." Yeah. Any uh, any last thoughts, including overall view of the book, Elkin? Want to give it a I tier rating? I'm giving a fire alarm. Can you guys give me a second while we discuss it? Sure. Yeah. Oh, so you want us to talk about it first? Uh, yes, if possible. Okay. Actually, I'm okay now. So a, okay. Few, a few things. Uh, first of all, uh, in my notes again, uh, the book narrator, the audiobook narrator, uh, the guy who narrates the Light of the Jedi, the mainline books, uh, mm-hmm. I think his name is Mark Thompson. He's so good. He's he very didn't do good. this one, though. Yeah, he didn't do this one. Uh, that's why I... Uh, didn't like the audiobook as much as I liked Plato's Jedi and the Rising Storm. Uh, he sounded like him sometime though. Like his Leox character sounded yeah. very similar to um, his um, just a, a bunch of characters he he does. Yeah, that's one of my notes. But in general, uh, if we're rating the book, I feel like this is at least B plus for me. I know that you guys have a different rating system that basically. Uh, everything is A or very bad. <laughs> no, I, I don't think that. We have a pretty well, even distribution. We just don't have many Fs, except for, I don't like, good, Champions of the Force. The rating system is like the uh, game reviewer uh, rating system, so I's a 95 or the game is trash. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this one, jokes aside, this one is uh, B+. Again, I'm trying to compare it to the uh, stuff like... Uh, uh, young Jedi books from the Legends and uh, to the Jedi Apprentice series, and I think for me it's on par with Jedi Apprentice, and it's a bit higher than uh, Young Jedi Knights. Okay, fair enough. Corey, you want to give yours? Yeah, this will probably end up being in around like B for me. Like I, I enjoyed the characters. There were some things in the plot that like. I don't agree with the characters taking those actions because, of, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, overall, I did I did really enjoy reading it, and that's ultimately what matters. So this one it. was a C for me. I think it was a I kind of had those problems too, but I found it to be a bit of a slog, and I don't know that was disappointing because I like Claudia Gray's other stuff, but this one just didn't didn't really uh, hit for me. So, but way it goes, you can't you can't win them all. Do you think? Uh, this one is more, um, I guess, written by the committee uh, than her previous books. More so, yeah, but I didn't really get the feeling. I guess my problem wasn't really... I guess my problem was as much with her writing, which is what I was surprised with, than like the actual plot. I just It wasn't really hooking me, I guess. like I didn't feel connected to the characters. Um, so yeah, but... But yeah, it definitely was. I mean, all of these feel a little written by committee. And I feel like if you're not in the higher public now, you might not be because I don't see the writing style changing because it's the same authors, the same kind of, you know, committee like you mentioned. Yeah. I, again, it's not her best book. I liked Bloodlines and uh, Lost Stars better. Mm-hmm. I hope that uh, her next one in the third wave. I think it's called Fallen Stars. She's got the main book in the third wave, yeah. I think, doesn't Fallen, she? Yeah. Fallen Stars, I think it's called. I even made a joke that uh, 
Styles and Claudia Gray name a more iconic duo or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> like that, apparently. Yeah. Uh, I hope that it's better. In general, mainline books are good. Uh, yeah. And her books are good. So I expect Fallen Stars to be better than this one. Yeah, even like, um, I found even with uh, Bloodline, I, I like the plot of that one, but for that one, the writing wasn't, it just felt a bit boring to me as well. So maybe for me, it's just something about her, her writing, but I never kind of had that same issue with Lost Stars. So maybe that was a one-off or maybe these other twos have, these other two books have been um, the exception, but I guess we'll see. Like you said. I know, that, the... I know that you didn't like Aftermath, right? Uh yeah, I wasn't a huge did you, fan. Do you did you dislike the story or the writing? The writing really irked me. Um, especially, yeah, the writing irked me. But I could have gotten past. I I had issues with the story as well. I'll say that. Um, like the world building. Uh, some of it was really really good. Like I like the stuff about the um, the uh, what's it called observatories and the kind of intrigue about Jakku and all that stuff was well done. Um, but some of the world building and like kind of which sucks because it was really foundational stuff, I didn't enjoy as much. Oh, yeah. I felt like uh, Aftermath, again, uh, if you like it or dislike it in general, Aftermath influenced the books around it too much. Yes, I think that's fair. Uh, so Bloodlines, I felt like is very... Uh, was like under pressure from the uh, aftermath, which, which makes sense. No, totally. And uh, that's not an easy place to be. Yeah, like I've kind of said before, I wish they had chose somebody with a little more experience um, in setting up an EU. Like, obviously, I've said this a million times, and people are going to call me an EU, like, wanker or whatever. But I, I wish it had been Timothy Zahn. I think I... he might not have even been interested. I know, Corey, but yeah. Well... I don't. I'm not the biggest fan of Zan. I would. I would. I wanted someone like Salvatore. I guess. Again, Salvatore's prose is not that good, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but I think that his world building is excellent. Mm -hmm. Like so. my problem with having Zan in the setting up the universe thing is that it worked out with Legends because he kind of introduced everything there. But with Zan, you also are kind of getting a. These are my toys. Don't touch my toys. And if you're having him introduce kind of like the next phase of everything and being the foundation blocks for the next expanded universe, if you want his characters that he's introducing to set up stories, you're probably not going to have much leeway for other authors. I, If I was to pick someone to do that, I'd probably pick James Lucino. Oh, That'd be a good choice. Yeah. And like, yeah, I, I just... I'm not saying I don't want Timothy Zahn to write novels in that period, just that picking mm -hmm. like the first one and who's going to set up what everyone else is playing with, I'd rather have Lucino do that. I do think that, I mean, I obviously don't know Timothy Zahn personally or anything, but I do think that, like, he might have a different attitude now going into Star Wars in 2015, yeah, that's where, true. like, the expanded universe has been a thing forever, versus, like, the 90s, where he, like, literally dragged it, like, kicking and screaming to life and, like, made that's everything. <laughs> but no, I, I do think your point is is well taken as well. Yeah, he probably would have ended up writing about Tron somehow. To be fair, Thrawn is name dropped in Aftermath or yeah. Empire's End, but yeah. Um, I I I personally never liked Thrawn uh, written by him. Uh, to be honest, I like uh, the Rebels Thrawn much more. Uh, mm -hmm. And if you ask me, I probably wouldn't be able to uh, 
give a good explanation why, but uh, you like Evil Thrawn better. That's how he was originally. I think that's yeah, fair. I, I guess uh, because uh, the Philon is Thrawn, right? It's a mm-hmm. is Thrawn is more evil, and I I always get get irked when uh, the evil characters are portrayed as some kind. Okay, we'll let's start to understand then what happened, why it happened. So for me, it's uh, never uh, a good story, I think, to be honest. Well, mm-hmm. with Thrawn, it's not even that, like, let's understand why he became bad. It's like, actually, he was just never bad, is how a mm-hmm. lot of the earlier stuff ends up feeling. Yeah. So if he'd been introduced yeah. that way and we got some sort of fall, I think that would have been a bit more interesting than just uh, Zan wrote the Thrawn trilogy. He was the kind of uh, impenetrable evil guy and then... Like impenetrable, comma evil guy, and mm-hmm. then he decided he wanted to write more stories with him earlier. That was like, oh well, now he's the protagonist. Uh, so I think that's more where the disconnect comes from. Yeah, no, I think that I I, I agree with that. Um, and that that's just a bit of him. I think wanting a bit more out of his character, but like it's kind of tough because you know a lot of us fell in love with it in one way or another, but. For me, it's like Zahn just didn't like he didn't invent thing, but but he he took a lot out of like the pre-existing stuff from source books and just made it feel like Star Wars for me. And like that's probably one of my problems with the new like the early canon stuff is it didn't really maintain that feeling, especially where it felt like to me like Disney was going out of their or Lucasfilm was going out of their way not to hire old EU authors. Like Michael Stackpole's like hire me for something, I'm, I'm yeah. ready. Like sub me in, and they don't. But uh, yeah, if they'd announced like three books by Zahn, Lucino and Stackpole, that would have been really cool, too, along with other yeah. authors. Cause I don't like I'm not saying it should just be them, but. Yeah, it just, it's just how old are they? Sixties. Uh, yeah, author age. They would have <laughs> been age. like late fifties, I think, when it started. Hey. You know, Seventy four. I'm just I'm just wondering. Again, yeah. it's it's always it's all it's never. Um, I guess it's never easy to know why they decide to do what they are doing. Uh, obviously, everyone blah 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 fire Caitlin uh, Kennedy. I don't know uh, <laughs> fire Brie Larson instead of her, and then fire her and get uh, George Lucas back, something like that. I. George Again, Lucas, author of the Thrawn trilogy, yes. Yeah, we 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 all uh, worked on collaborative projects, right? We know how it happens. You start doing one thing, and then mm-hmm. your scriptwriter adds some of his ideas, and animator adds some of uh, their ideas, blah blah blah, and eventually mm-hmm. you get something else that uh, you started with. It's uh, it's how collaborative projects work at the end of the day. So uh, it's never easy to know why they didn't hire someone. Mm-hmm. What was that problem with the payment to one of the old UF authors? I'm I'm trying to remember. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, your your favorite, Alan Dean Foster, yeah, was yeah, so, notoriously yeah, right, fucked right. over. <laughs> so maybe uh, they were offered and they declined because of the uh, uh, the way. I mean, at, at the time before he got his new trilogy, T- uh, Timothy Zahn did say he wasn't even he wasn't even approached. Yeah, but you yeah. are right in that. Um, Lucasfilm, like in their publishing arm, has a very they are known for strong arming um yeah. authors. Uh, like they apparently they don't pay very well at all. Um, and there are kind of those older issues from like the 
That seems mostly to be related from the transition between Bantam and Del Rey yeah. era, which is kind of funny because Bantam is just owned by Del Rey now, and everyone's trying to pass the buck off. But yeah, like yeah, somebody said something along the lines of uh, Lucas uh, publishing side at least is acting like uh, it's all about exposure for the writers. Yes, uh, I that's definitely something that I've heard. Which, yeah. which uh, with all that, it's not a best practice, I guess. No, definitely not. <laughs> but again, it's very it's very difficult to see what what's going on. There are like probably twenty five thousand cooks in the yeah. uh, in the kitchen there, right? Somebody mm -hmm. from some says something, somebody from uh, Lucas says something, and then I don't know. Uh, fans react in a certain way, and then uh, Rise of Skywalker's entire script is scrapped at the last minute. Blah blah blah. So uh, yeah. we don't know uh, what is the process. Like, for instance, I'm not a big fa fan of what EA is doing with the games. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I wonder if uh, there are things that we don't know about it. Like, uh, maybe they proposed the game. Uh, what was the name of the game they proposed before the Fallen Order? Um, oh, the uh, Project Sun Project Ragtag? Yeah, I think so. No, is that the one? one more. Uh, anyways, I'm just trying to make a point that uh, we don't know if it's easy to get the projects off the ground, basically. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's right. And Star Wars and Lucasfilm don't seem like they're the easiest companies to work with, just based on what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, is there anything else you guys want to... Maybe we'll go ahead and read the emails next time, Corey, yeah. because we're getting a bit late. Um. Ilgen, I want to say major thanks for coming yeah, thank on. You. you were an excellent guest. Do you want to take a second and plug your uh, your various projects? Uh, not really, to be honest. I, <laughs> I, I I hate advertising myself. Uh, my channel's name is Kings and Generals. Uh, if Very you like, good. If you like history, that's uh, that's a good place to be, I guess. I like Other those little cards you make on social media. Those are or yeah. for like Twitter and stuff. Those are cool. Yeah. Uh. What do you mean exactly? Don't you make little like cards, like little info cards sometimes? They actually stopped because they were not getting uh, the traction that was like. Oh. So well, I, uh, I liked them, so just so you know that. You are old, old style, so I, I see it. Uh, <laughs> uh, guys, thank you for inviting me. Uh, as you can see, thank I'm you. not the best public speaker, but it was a pleasure and honor to talk to you about Star Wars. You were literally uh, as great. good as either of us, so I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't worry. <laughs> <laughs> it was very good and i hope that your podcast will do even better in the future oh, thank, thank you, you and much. we'll definitely have to have you back when we get to njo yes please, please do i have yeah, to do another full read about NGO. What, what would be your one njo book you'd want to appear on like if you had to choose any that you wanted to talk about what would it be just for the record uh Vector prime okay i have read everything from uh salvatore so uh I I know his style. Oh, all like his other fantasy stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have read. He's like, a, quite a published author, isn't he? Uh, he's like one of these authors who is who are not very good, but they <laughs> never, never go below a certain uh, level. So so he's the like he's the chicken fingers and fries, or like <laughs> the club sandwich of authors. <laughs> I was going to say uh, like some someone like Mitch Marner, I guess. Uh, <laughs> wow, no, non playoffs anyway. Yeah, exactly. 
So uh, if you guys ever want to invite me, I would be happy uh, to talk to you. Uh, otherwise, thank you for your invitation once again, and thank you for the podcast. Thank you. Well, guys, that'll be it for another phenomenal, I'm just going to, or I say, phenomenal episode of Tapcaf Transmissions. Guys, why don't you go click follow on Spotify or iTunes or Google Podcasts or wherever you listen. Go to that. Go leave a five-star review. Take a second. You know, you listen to us all the time. We provide entertainment. A five-star review costs you nothing, but it helps my heart. It makes me feel good at night. I checked. Just now, I asked for you guys to try to work Nate Dog into a podcast review. I didn't see it. I understand. Um, but if you enjoyed this episode, why don't you mention Kings and Generals and how good of a guest he was in your next podcast review. But that's it for me. Uh, thank you, Corey. Thank you, Ilkin. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye.